everyone. My name is Matt. It's really great to be together this morning. We are continuing our series, um, Built Together. We're talking about our life together as a local church. And as you know, we've been in this year of spiritual formation, and we have covered a lot so far this year. And so we're kind of just taking a couple of weeks to catch our breath and hopefully, hopefully get set up um, for where we're going next because we got some big stuff coming uh, actually for the rest of the fall. So I want to let you know we're going to be celebrating communion together at the end of our time, and so you can be preparing for that. I'll talk a little bit more about that when we get there. Well, as Jeremy said, and we've been announcing, we are getting ready to do a church-wide discipleship experience uh, called Deeper, meaning deeper with God, with self, with others. And for 10 weeks, we're going to be focusing on growing in the area of emotional health. So we're going to be exploring topics like self-awareness, vulnerability, dealing with your past, living with limits, how do do we embrace grief and loss, what does it look like to have healthy conflict, and how do we practice forgiveness, so try to contain yourselves. (laughs) I know, so lots of easy breezy stuff here we're going to be getting into, Uh, Hold that thought. Uh, We are going to have three sort of levels of engagement all happening at the same time. So this is a choose-your-own adventure. Uh, Of course, we'll have, you know, here on Sunday morning, starting in mid-September, we're going to be going to Scripture and what does the Bible say about these things and how do we kind of have a framework going forward. Beyond that, we're inviting you to, to do some weekly personal reflection Uh, Based on, you know, the previous sermon, um, we do have a participant's guide, a book that we've put together that you can work through, some questions, some things on your own. And then, as Jeremy said, we're going to have a 10-week small group experience, again, around this material. And I'll I'll get to that in a second, but just to let you know, there's going to be an opportunity to sign up for a group if you're not already in one at the end of today. So all this, 10 weeks long. And uh, we're going to move on to something else after that. Now, the good news is we're not trying to twist anybody's arm or make you do anything you don't want to do because hopefully we never do that around here. Also because we know that you are adults and that you're able to make your own choices. Also because I can't get myself to do what I want to do half the time. So you see, I am going to ask you to to perhaps be a little more open to engaging in this, maybe at a level or two deeper than you normally would left to your own devices. So today I just want to talk about why this is important, why issues around emotional health actually have everything to do with following Jesus as his disciples. So Paul says in Ephesians 4, He says, verse 12, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, in these two verses, and if you go to the one after and the one before, at least seven times Paul repeats words like build up, grow, maturity, fullness. In other words... The point of discipleship to Jesus is not just you're saved and that's it, like you're done. 
like you get the right barcode with the right beliefs, and then you get to heaven, and bloop, bloop, you get scanned in. He's saying, he's saying no, God wants so much more for you than that, um, that you would grow in your experience. This word knowledge here, it's experiential, that we would experience the presence and person of Jesus, that the life of Jesus would permeate all of who we are, mind, heart, body, soul, all of us. Jesus says that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart. We kind of know what that means, you know, like love, right, passion. He says we're to love God with our minds, all our minds, our thinking. He says we're to love him with all our strength. That's like what we do, our actions. He also, though, says that we're to love God with all our soul. The soul would be our interior, our inner world, as in the seat of our emotions, the, where our deeper motivations come out of. And so we're just asking, how do we love God with that part of us, with our soul? What's that look like? And as it turns out, that does actually require some intentional inner work, work that if we're not careful, we can follow Jesus for like 50 years and never really even consider some of this stuff. Because this doesn't happen automatically. It doesn't happen overnight. It's, a, it's an intentional process. So with that, I want to invite you to, to go to Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to focus on a passage here. Paul is talking to the church in Galatia, to, to some Jesus followers. And he gives them this interesting command in verse 2. Paul writes, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. But... Pay careful attention because just a few short verses later, verse 5, Paul then goes on and he says, For each one should carry their own load or burden. Oopsie daisy. Paul, like within two very short, you know, within throwing distance, Paul seems to say things that are totally contradictory. First he says, help each other, carry each other's burdens. Okay, I think I got that. And then in the same breath, he says, everyone, actually, everyone should carry their own load or burden. Which one is it? Is it Christina with a C-H or Christina with a K? Because it can't, it can't be both, right? Is Paul a Republican or a Democrat? I'm, let me tell you something. They hated that in first service, too. They were not having that at all. So... Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Paul is a very skilled writer. He's brilliant. So he's not unaware of what he's doing here with this apparent contradiction, which means he's doing something on purpose. So I want to read this in context and see if we can't figure, figure this out. So if you look at verse 1 where he begins this train of thought, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin... You who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. I do appreciate Paul's <laughs> generous use of the qualifier if, like just in case this happens. Um, of course, he's talking about more than just the salacious or scandalous stuff. He's just acknowledging, look, the Christian life is not easy. The truth is we all have struggles. We all have weakness. We all at times want to give up. None of us live up to the ideal of the Christian life. We all stumble. We all fall short. We all sin. 
sometimes on accident, sometimes on purpose. We just don't always get caught. Paul says, when this happens, I want you to restore that person how, and this is the key word, restore that person gently, with gentleness, with kindness. But the goal is restoration, assuming the person wants that, you know, like they want to repent. But this means that we're, we're not supposed to shame or judge or, you know, I told you so or pile on or treat like a second-class citizen. The goal is to be made right, to reinstate to full good standing. By the way, isn't this how we want to be treated when it comes to our sin, faults, weaknesses, mistakes? I do, right? We want to be treated with, like, mercy, with kindness, with gentleness. And I think this is a good reminder because sometimes as Christians we forget this. You know, we like to quote verses like, speak the truth in love, Bible. And that's true, but I get, well, I get the feeling sometimes that people who throw that around are a little more into the truth part of that, the speak the truth, than the in love, like both of those things together. He goes on, he says, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. I think he's simply saying, make sure you're influencing them and it's not kind of the other way around. So he goes on, what do we do with the fact that in community, in a gathering like this, sometimes I have issues, well, I always have issues, but sometimes my issues, you know, and sometimes you have issues, and so what do we do? Verse 2, here's the first command, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now what burdens is he talking about? In context, if you look at the verse that Verse 1, right? He's not just saying, by burdens, help each other move when the time comes. That would be the most literal. <laughs> they didn't like that either. That would be the most literal tr interpretation of this. He's not even talking about, you know, I got a lot going on. I got a lot of stress. And boy, listen to what happened to me today at work. No, he's getting a lot more personal than that. He's talking about the temptations that we face, our blind spots, our faults, uh, Sin patterns, all these deeper things. And he says we're supposed to help each other move forward and grow. In other words, there's supposed to be a sense of mutuality here in the body of Christ, that we're in this together. There's meant to be prayer and support and encouragement. How are you doing really? Of course, this implies real relationships. It also implies a fair bit of humility because I, you can't help me carry my burdens if you don't know what they are or if I'm hiding them, pretending like I don't have any. It takes a lot of humility to allow other people into this kind of inner world, doesn't it? These inner struggles. One of the myths that sometimes we buy into is that, let me just get my life together. Once I get things cleaned up, then I'll show up to community. But that's not how it works. It, it never works like that. No, it's Part of what we're supposed to do for each other is help us in that very process. But we got to show up and we got to be there for each other. Paul raises the stakes here. He says that if you do this, you fulfill, that means to observe fully, the law of Christ. And that the law of Christ, that's a reference to Jesus when he said, let me sum up all the law and all the commandments into to two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
in helping carry each other's burdens, these, these heavier things, these issues that we're wrestling with, we're actually fulfilling the greatest commandments. Um, and we all want to be treated this way. When we stumble, when we fall, and we all fall, and we all stumble. This is hopefully what we find, a church family that has our back. Now, Paul doesn't end with this, and this is where kind of a lot of, I think, sermons on community, and I'm sure ones that I've preached here, sort of stop. But he goes on from this point, and he moves, he moves on from the community, all of us, to the individual, to like, what's your responsibility? What's my responsibility in all this? So he's now going to begin moving toward, that's the first commandment, toward the second commandment, to carry your own load or burden. Verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, hold on, Paul, hold on. Are you saying that I don't see myself always clearly? Are you saying that maybe sometimes I don't see myself as I actually am? And Paul's like, yes, that's, that's exactly what I'm saying. It's really easy to fall into this. We all tend to overinflate our virtues and then kind of downplay our weaknesses, our sin, our faults. Um, but I think what he might be saying is we all have blind spots. We're not always self-aware. Um, we're not always able to see ourselves clearly. And I think the reason that he puts this verse right after the community verse is, guess what? When you show up at community, when you show up in relationships with each other, everybody else around you can see these things because it comes out in these relationships. Um, let me ask you this. How many of you know someone and you think about this person, if they only knew this about themselves, they talk too much, right? They're too pushy. Uh, they're too self-absorbed. If they just knew this one thing about themselves, man, like their life would be a lot better. Things would go, and they would be less annoying to be around or, or whatever. Can anybody think of somebody like that? Yeah, <laughs> that's good. Uh, a little bit of a fun experiment. What if you were the person who came to mind just now for somebody else? I don't like this. Okay, if anyone thinks there's something when they're not, they deceive themselves. And we deceive ourselves. We're actually hurting us. And we end up accidentally hurting other people. It kind of bleeds out onto others. Uh, we're not living out of integrity or wholeness. We're actually conspiring in our own diminishment the whole time. So here's what we have to do about this. He says, verse 4, each one should test their own actions. And that word test, it means to examine, to discern, to weigh. Remember like the old time scales? We put weights on one side and like your pound of flesh, Shakespeare, on the other. Whatever you want to put on the other side, okay, if you don't like that. Yeah, we're to, to weigh, to test, to examine. It's what the psalmist is saying, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So the idea is that we would actually create some space with the Spirit's help for, for like regular self-reflection, honest assessment of who we are, what's really going on, what's actually true 
about me. And the point of all of this is that God would lead us to more, to more life, to more freedom. For example, uh, which of the following are true of you? I have reflected on the past and understand how it's affected where I am today. We've all made mistakes. We've all messed things up. We've all been hurt to varying degrees by other people. And we're not always aware of how those things back there are actually driving me. He says, examine your actions. They're driving uh, our lives today. For example, if you grew up in like a a high-conflict, high-tension home or worse, it's possible that in that environment, you became the peacemaker. You're kind of walking on eggshells trying to keep mom and dad happy. Or you learn to be like really sensitive to people's moods. You can read the room and kind of tell when somebody's about to go off. And you're always trying to adapt in that situation, whether it was with humor or laying really, really low so that you didn't rock the boat. And I just want to say, if if that's you, for example, of course you did that. Of course you did. You had to. And that that served you really well when you were a kid. You're, You're just a kid. You're trying to survive, right? And so good for you. And I mean that really. You made it. But here you are today. And what happens is sometimes the things that served us really well back there aren't as helpful. And you might find yourself in relationships now and you avoid conflict at all costs. Or you kind of keep things inside because you want to keep the peace. And, you know, of course, you probably married somebody, if you're married, who loves conflict as a pastime and as a hobby. (laughs) Because that's how it often works. My, my point with that question is our past often drives us today, and we're not always aware of it if we haven't dealt with it. Maybe you're here and you go from relationship to relationship. It's like, I've got to find the person to make me feel good. Or if you escape to alcohol or addictions or buying stuff, again, all of these things, there's probably a very good reason why you do that. Very good reason. But it's difficult to change if you don't know what we're operating out of. As the folks downstairs at Recovery Cafe say all the time, we are all in recovery from something. Even if it's not the things you normally think of, from something. It could be approval or avoidance or achievement or, or control or whatever. Or how about this? I'm able to talk about or admit areas of weakness, difficulty, or insecurity. That means when somebody brings this up, you know, have you thought about this or I've noticed this, that I don't respond with defensiveness. I don't attack back with sarcasm or, yeah, what about you or the time? I don't go to self-pity or feeling sorry for myself. Most of us think we're pretty good at this. Maybe a better way of asking is what would those closest to you, what would they say about you or me in this area? I am able to say no. When I'm stretching myself too thin, I make adjustments. Again, what would the people who know you best say about you in this area? I'm able to let go of how I have been hurt by others. Or do I get on the mower and replay and replay and replay the conversation and the interaction from 10 years ago, and I just am so clever when when I'm having an imaginary conversation, I can't stand it. 
many of us, not all, many of us avoid this kind of reflection at all costs because it's, it's scary. We're afraid of what we might actually discover. And so we watch TV instead or whatever. Turns out, I know most of you are, were adults in the room, but most of us actually believe in cartoon physics deep down at a soul level. We believe if we run off the cliff, as long as we keep running and don't look down, we're going to be fine. But the second I stop, the second I take a moment to look inward or to be alone with God and just my thoughts, my feet, right? And so we don't do it. St. Augustine once asked, how can you draw close to God when you are far away from yourself? He prayed, grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. We should take time to reflect, to examine honestly. And I think the key here, uh, what Paul is saying, and for sure what the saints and the contemplatives have discovered with this, that the key is to replace hostility, defensiveness, anger, uh, fear, which are our normal responses to this, to replace all that with a little bit of healthy curiosity, just to be curious. It's an invitation to curiosity. Huh, I wonder why when I get around my family of origin, why do I become a completely different person? Or why is it when I'm with someone and it gets difficult or like uh, they bring up sadness or some other heavy emotion, why do I always have to crack a joke just be curious about that. Um, why do I seem like I always say yes to people in the moment and then regret it later? Why in interactions do I find myself constantly comparing myself with this other person? M. Scott Peck, who was a famous psychiatrist and author, he once said, mental health is dedication to reality at all costs. I think that's true not just of mental health, but all health, physical, mental, relational, spiritual, emotional, and so on. In other words, the truth, including the truth about you and me, is actually your friend. We might not always like what we find, but knowing the truth about you, about me, is always to our benefit. So he says, because of that, each one should test, examine their own actions. Why? Because then... They can beat themselves up because the bad news they discover within is, in fact, much worse than they thought. That's not what it says. That was a mean, a mean trick that I just played on you. We should test our own actions. Why? He says, then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Paul's saying, your progress is what counts here. Start with where you are. In other words, don't worry about where someone else is or isn't compared to you. And where, Don't worry about that. This is about you and your next step. That's it. And the kind of side benefit of this is if I'm focused on me and where I still need to grow, suddenly I have a whole lot less time and energy to worry about you and where you need to grow. It's almost like Paul's excited about this, Right? So, so he's not talking about getting a root canal. 
this is supposed to be a positive thing. Um, the idea, he's saying, you have permission to celebrate, to be proud of your growth. And yeah, we're honest, and here's where I have a ways to go still, but look at this. I did this with God's help, with the support of the community. I'm actually making progress. I have a ways to go, but I'm, I'm not where I used to be. We celebrate our wins. And I'm telling you, I think Paul is really on to something here. I'll tell you what's motivating for me is when I make progress in an area, however small, to feel like, yeah, do more of that. Um, those of you who are coaches or you're in sports or whatever, how much more effective is it when someone says, no, 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 that right there, that's it, just keep doing more of that versus this whole thing's a mess, it's all wrong, I don't, why are you even doing this, right? We start with what we're doing with, with our wins. We celebrate those things. We take time to recognize that and we move forward. Verse five, four, each one should carry their own load. And again, in context, Paul is talking about the soul work the inner work that only we can do. Now, that's rarely work that we want to do. At least for me, I come to this almost always kicking and screaming. I'm almost always only willing to do this when the pain of changing is slightly less than like the, the pain of staying the same. We have moments where we wake up. It's like, what, what I'm doing is not working. I got to do something different. And nine times out of 10, what we discover is that the change, the actual growth itself is not nearly as bad as the, the, what we feared, as what we built it up to be. So I want to come back to this tension between these two verses that we started with. Um, this journey of maturing in Christ has apparently two parts that go together. So there is the role of the community. There's the role of the church to be a, a safe place where we can be honest where we can experience healing and we help each other. Um, where I, you're doing that for me and I'm doing that for you. That's the first half of the equation. But then there's the second half. There's the role that I play in my own growth, the responsibility that I have to deal with this stuff on the inside because I'm the only one who can deal with it. What happens, by the way, if we show up to community? And we're not willing to do this part. Well, our, our relationships can only go so far. Or we end up hurting people. You know that saying in, in counseling, hurt people, hurt people. Um, or we're not able to have healthy conflict and our community as a result is diminished. So all that to say, this deeper experience, this deeper series, and this is meant to be a starting point in September. This is not a be-all, end-all. This is like 10 weeks, right? But it's, it's, it's meant to be a starting point. The work that we do on Sunday morning as we wrestle with this stuff. The point is that we would try to figure out with, with this what our next step is. The goal is not fix every single broken thing within me. That would be a lot to do in 10 weeks, right? But give me a starting point. Spirit of God, would you in gentleness, in kindness, Show me what my next step is. Many of these topics that we're going to walk through, they are a lot of times some of the bigger sort of soul issues that we often get stuck on. Same thing for this personal reflection. Um, we're going to give you this participant's guide. Anyone who wants it, there'll be questions, there'll be 
links to spiritual practices or ideas in there that you could do that relate to this on, on your own. I hope, I hope every person here that, that you'll be willing to do these two things. Be willing to show up and make that a priority and do a little bit of reflection um, as Paul talks about here in Galatians. Can I just tell you something about me? I'm going to anyway. Uh, I think you should know this, and hopefully this helps some of you relax a little bit when it comes to this stuff. I'm like a pretty simple guy, really. Most of the time, I know it looks like I'm thinking right now, but most of the time I'm not thinking about anything. Just not a whole lot's going on, honestly, 90% of the time. Um, I'm not like a touchy-feely, airy-fairy kind of person. Uh, I don't take any natural supplements, Okay. Unless it's in Red Bull, then okay, maybe. I have no idea what people are talking about when they talk about their true self. And I, don't, I honestly don't even want to know, okay? When it comes to emotional awareness, just to give you a reference. Um, by the way, I'm going to out my son right now. I hope it's okay. He, he, he came in this morning. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, emotional health. And he goes, oh, that's funny. You're talking about that. <laughs> He's 14. Okay, so I'm just being honest with you guys. When it comes to emotional awareness, like when people text me emojis, I got to really look at that thing to try to figure out what, I know it's angry, and I know smiley, what's this other one? I don't know. So I just want you to know this doesn't come natural. When I know if you know me, you know that. Um, case in point, if it was more natural, we probably wouldn't have waited 11 years to talk about emotional health. All that to say, if I can grow even a little bit in this, I'm telling you, anybody can. Anybody can. And so I'm, I don't have this figured out. I'm on the journey. I'm just inviting you to come with me. And it's for your benefit. It's for the good, your, like your relationships. All of this stuff can benefit. I'm also, I'm also fully aware, I don't know who that is, but this voice in my head, I got this. Uh, I'm also... F- Fully aware that we have a lot of, we have several therapists, like licensed, trained therapists in in our church, and so that makes me feel kind of self-conscious about all this stuff, because they could say all this way better, but the good news is I'm not, I'm not a therapist, I'm not trying to be, I'm a pastor, so I'm just trying to talk about what does Jesus say about this, how does scripture inform how we think about some of these aspects related to our inner life and our soul. I'm reminded that Jesus said this, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Yes, that requires that we trust him enough to follow him into unknown territory. It's okay to be nervous. I'm nervous. But he promises to be with us. Um, We're not alone. And I'll tell you this secret. I actually believe this work can be a lot of fun. Here's why. We are, you are, I am deeply deeply loved by God. You are a son or daughter of the king. You know what that means? A lot of things, but one of them is you have nothing to prove. We got nothing to prove, not to ourselves, not to someone else, not even to God. I think that's why Jesus liked spending time with kids, because they're they're themselves. Um, They're not so self-conscious and uptight. You got nothing to prove. When Paul says in verse 1, he says, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, should help them gently. 
I think the reason he includes live by the Spirit, because he could have just said, you do this gently. The reason he says live by the Spirit is he's going, look, remember, this is what the Spirit of God who is in you is like. That Jesus, his fundamental posture toward you is gentleness and kindness. That means that the condemning voice that we hear in our heads, that we sometimes think is God, isn't God. If I'm feeling shame or or unworthy, that's not, apparently, the Spirit of God. See, the reason Paul tells tells us to do this with each other is because that's how God looks at you. Like Jesus' posture, he looks at you and has a, a posture of unconditional, unconditional acceptance and love. He wants nothing less for you and me than our freedom, including the freedom to maybe laugh at ourselves sometimes, not take ourselves quite so seriously. So I'm just telling you right now, we may never have as much fun at church. I mean, I mean this. I know I got a lot of fire for this right now, but I'm just saying, we may never have as much fun at church as we will, I think, in this whole series. So we got our own work to do, and that's what this is about. Don't forget the first half of this, though. It's not just on our own. It's, it's all of us. I need your help to grow. I need your help to see things I can't see about myself. I need your support. I need your encouragement. We've been talking a lot this year about spiritual practices. And one of them, I think it can be a spiritual practice um, this whole fall, is the practice of inviting feedback from people in our lives that we trust. That's not the same as inviting criticism Sometimes it might have that, but that's not, it's not like, oh, please tell me all the other things I'm doing wrong and just add to my list. Um, It reminds me of this, there's a story of, there's this couple who was married for like 50, 60 years or something, and they're getting ready to go out to some fancy thing, and they're in their room, and they're getting ready, and the husband's looking in the the mirror, and he's getting ready, and he just has this moment where he, just in defeat, you know, and discouragement, he just slumps down on the bed. He says, honey look at me. I'm old. I'm overweight. My hair, I mean, my hair is falling out like, oh, look at me. I'm a mess. A few seconds of silence go by. He goes, well, honey, can't you at least say something encouraging? And without missing a beat, his wife responds, well, I'd say your eyesight's still pretty good. That's not the kind of encouragement we're talking about, okay? <laughs> Feedback. Um, this is a, a, tr- a trusted friend or mentor, someone you can say, look, I'm working on this. I'm doing this, you know, a- as a part of my church. How would you say I'm doing in this area? What feedback would you give me? Is there anything that maybe I'm not seeing that could, that could help me? And that's a real gift if we'll have the courage to receive it. Our culture is pretty big on self-help right now, books and podcasts and mindfulness practice, all these things. I'm sure there's tons, tons of good things in a lot of that. But we're not talking about self-help. This is what makes the body of Christ unique. We're talking about the Spirit of God helping us and us helping each other. We actually need each other to to do this work. So this is where the groups come in, um, the 10-week small group experience These groups are going to meet at different times throughout the week. There's going to be discussion based on the the framework on Sunday morning. 
maybe a little bit based on your personal reflection. You don't have to share anything you don't want to share or are not comfortable with. I do want to say that college students here, you're included in this. We actually want to treat you like the full-fledged adults that you, you, you are. Uh, and so you're invited to join us. We'll have, we have groups for you as well. That said, for everyone, we know that life is crazy. And if you're in a season of life right now, we're like, oh, we really, I want to do this. It's just, I don't think there's any way I can. Um, we actually have a, a broad, this is good, we have a broad definition of group for this. So you have permission to be creative. Um, maybe you could have a set time each week to sit down with a friend or two, or if you're married, perhaps even your spouse to talk about this. The point is we want you to talk with someone. Remember the, hope you remember the each other part of this that we, we've been talking about the whole time. Um, it helps so much to have the encouragement and to have that support along the way, to celebrate your wins. You know, with some of these topics, um, the, some of the things that we're going to get into, we don't simply grow just by going through difficult things. If that were true, we would all be a lot farther along than we are. No, we got to do more than that. We grow by, like, reflecting on these things, often in community with others. So I said your group can look like whatever you want, formal or informal. Having said that, can I tell you something else? I got to be in a group. I have amazing intentions, but I know what will happen if I'm not in a real group. Here's a time. Here's a place. Matt, where were you last week? We missed you. Because what will inevitably happen for me is I'll have a busy week, and I'll say, yes, yeah, can we not do it this week? Or I'll get together with my buddy, and we'll talk about everything but this stuff, right? So my good intentions aren't enough to get me there. And so I know what I need to do, which is actually join a for real one of our groups, okay? See, look at that. Look at this self-awareness <laughs> right in front of your eyes. This is amazing. <sighs> you know, one of the ironies of this whole thing, and I, I, there's no way I can say this as hard as I mean it, emotional health is 100% one of those areas. We all can benefit. We all can grow in this. But when you're talking about things like self-awareness, it is one of those things, by definition, where the people who need it most are, by definition, unaware. Right? And so for those of us who hear this whole thing and immediately think, boy, do I know someone who needs this. I'm just asking you to pay attention to your response. And if this whole time, maybe you're here like, yes, I love this, I'm in, great, and we can all grow. Probably if that's you, you've, you've done some work in this area, and you know the benefit, and it's like, I want to take another step towards spiritual, emotional health and well-being. If, on the other hand, you're here and you're going, ah, it's not really doing anything for me, or um, you're a little more cynical, Sounds like a bunch of navel-gazing to me. Or, let's just go all the way, like there's something, you feel actual, um, some defensiveness or anger or you've been like arguing with me this whole time in your head. Um, that's okay. That's okay. I would, I'd be willing to bet that those are familiar feelings for you if that's the case. And the reason I know that is because I know, because they're familiar to me. 
And so again, no, no judgment. Um, I have found most of the time when I'm kind of angry or defensive about something, it's because I'm either hurt, and hopefully I didn't hurt anybody today, or I'm feeling threatened. I'm, I'm scared about something. And so, again, well, is there something in this that's, that's threatening to me somehow? And I would just invite you to be curious about that. And of course, maybe this isn't for you at this time, and that's okay too. I'm just asking all of us to consider, maybe there's something in me, maybe something I haven't thought about that I need to change. And maybe God actually wants to help me change it, not for his benefit, but for mine. Last Sunday night, I took my son Silas to see the Avid Brothers, and we started out the concert here, not bad, but because we know how to work it, we ended up here, which is better. Uh, we had a great time, um, even made a, best, a new best buddy. That's Dax Shepard for real. Uh, anyway, why do you go to see live music? Like, why not, like, to a live concert, why not just sit at home and listen to the album really loud? Because there's something powerful. If you've experienced it, there's something incredibly unifying about sharing something, sharing an experience that means something together with others. And so same for all of this. Yes, you can just listen to the sermon. Yes, you can do the reflection on your own. And if that's you right now, then go for it. But again, you're going to be missing out on the each other part of this. All this is is a place to start. It's 10 weeks. It's not the be-all, end-all uh, it's not going to like fix everything that I need to fix in my life. Um, it's an opportunity to take your next step. And I really believe there's value in doing this. We're together this whole year. We're doing a year of spiritual formation. Not you on your own and me on my own, but like all of us together. And so there's value in, in kind of jumping in. And I just simply invite you to join us. So signups for groups begin today. You can do that out in the lobby. There's people that answer your questions. If you're already in a group, you don't need to sign up. Um, hopefully you've heard from your leader or you will be soon about the details. As Jeremy mentioned, our kickoff is September 11th. We, we invite all of you. If you're going to engage this at any, any level, um, we invite you to show up. It's where you're going to get your, the book, the participant's guide. We'll, we'll go over some things about how to use that. So mark your calendars for uh, su Sunday night, September 11th. All right. We're going to move into communion together. Um, and I just want to share a simple thought. And Cliff, you could come on back up. As I was pre preparing for this, I was thinking about, you know, Jesus is in this moment. And he's getting ready to pass around the, this bread and this cup. And I'm just thinking about this from Jesus' perspective. Looking around the room, there's Judas, who's going to betray him. There's the disciples and all the things they don't yet understand. So many things they don't get. So many areas they have yet to, to discover where they need to grow. And you know what Jesus does? In love, in kindness, he serves them. He meets them where they are. He doesn't say, boy... If you only knew how many things you don't get. He doesn't do that. He, he meets them right where they are. Um, and I think 
in this moment, I, I hope we can kind of get to this place. That's what Jesus does for us. You don't have to do tomorrow's work today. Um, he's just asking you to follow him now with the next steps that we're given. I'm also reminded, and I guess this will be the, the kind of focal point for this. Jesus' posture toward you is one of gentleness and kindness. All the ways we kind of beat ourselves up or scold ourselves or that self-talk of like, why can't I get this right? That's actually not what, that's not God's posture toward you. So as we come to the table, I, I, I want us to have this moment where we can receive the kindness, the mercy, the gentleness of Jesus. It'll give us what we need for today. Yes, we might have to follow him into some unknown territory, and that's a little bit scary. But he loves us. You're his son. You're his daughter. Uh, would you pray with me, and then you'll be invited. Um, actually, if the communion volunteers would come up as well. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would meet each one of us personally where we are in this moment. Lord, for those of us who just have, maybe this raises some anxieties or fears, that spirit of Jesus, you would just bring your peace to our hearts, just over our lives right now that we could rest in you and knowing that you've got us. Lord, these voices of like condemnation and shame and Lord, help us to see that's actually not from you. That your posture toward us is, is gentle. It's kind. I pray that you would give us our next steps, that we'd have the courage to maybe see some things that we haven't seen. But our eyes are on you, knowing that you are good, knowing this is for our benefit. Um, that you don't just want to save us, you want to bring us wholeness and life and maturity and fullness in you. May we experience that in this next season. Thank you for the life, for your life, your, your death, your resurrection. That we don't have to be afraid. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.